0: Hey, beautiful. This is Aminata Soul Plant Walker Firewoman, and I am the host of the
1: Mother Tree Network, rooted in love, standing for justice. Hey, this is my Martin Luther King Jr. celebration, birthday, day of service episode. And in this episode, I want to share something useful for you for how you can have difficult conversations about racism. Um, Let me start by saying, you know, I've had extreme low points, one of which included crying in a bathroom at work in my early 20s out of frustration, embarrassment, um, you know, feeling like I was like a... Not good enough, black person, because I had not been able to convince this uh, predominantly white creative team to take some um, art by black playwrights seriously. So I, so that was one experience I had in my night, in my twenties, and then years later, um, let me see, in my late late forties. I had this conversation about racism where I was so grounded, so spacious, so self-loving that the conversation ended up being transformative for me and for the person uh, who I was having it with. So in this episode, I'm going to share with you more about that story Uh, about the conversation I had with the white colleague, but also the, the steps, the learning that I pulled from that and that I have since shared with thousands of people. Here we are in 2023, and I think this is the year for us to say, let's look at this together. This is a theme for me this year. Is having difficult conversations with people, but approaching it from a space of let's look at this together. If you find something valuable um, in what you're going to hear in the episode, please be sure to leave a review, give us some stars on Apple Podcasts, send me an email. Um, There will be a link in the show note for an upcoming uh, small event that I'm hosting on Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday. So whatever you do, stay in your heart, stay grounded to the earth, and close to your breath. See you on the other
0: So I want to tell you about how I transformed my own conversations about racism. Uh, In my 20s, I found myself in a public bathroom crying. And what tipped me over was a meeting where I was the only Black person. It was a white-led, predominantly white team where I, you know, I just felt profoundly disrespected and Black people's experience was being disrespected in the room. It broke me. It was a thing that had been building up over time. In that situation, you know, I left the room. I went to the bathroom, tried to pull myself together because I didn't want to cry in front of these people. And eventually, I left that company. And um, you know, we had some conversations here and there before I left. But what I want you to know is that I did not leave empowered. Uh, I left hurt and frustrated, and um, and of course, this is a common story. Fast forward. A couple decades later, I'm sitting at work and I get an email from a coworker saying uh, he would like to talk with me about uh, Black Lives Matter. You know, I read his email and I knew from some previous exposure he was really wanting to talk about Blue Lives Matter and he's really wanting to talk about um, how Black Lives Matter was harmful to white people. I decided not to engage him right at that time. I kept up on a path that I was on, which is where I was starting to do some work on self-compassion and, you know, looking at how the mind works. And after I've been doing this for a couple of months, I went to find that guy. His name was Pete. So Pete and I start this, car, start this conversation and I listen and I decide to listen from my heart. And I listened to Pete say a lot of things that many of you maybe have said or you've heard other people say to you. And as I listened, I just kept breathing, you know, just breathing. And um, after he had shared for quite a while, I said to him, do you want to know what it's like for me? And he, I just remember the moment we went eye to eye. And he said, yes. I said, well, when my child leaves the house, I wonder if he's going to make it back. Or if I'm going to be like one of these other mothers, Black mothers out here trying to get a hashtag. For my kid, and um, we we just held gaze, and I complete the conversation. I moved on. I'm not going to exhaust myself trying to persuade Pete. I'm not going to be putting my like you know my humanity on the line in this conversation. My job was until like, I give him statistics to try to give him mass incarceration one on one or history of the United States. I mean, I've done all those things. I'm a professor. <laughs> I have done that. I felt satisfied. I felt grounded. I felt connected. I felt honored. Like I had honored myself. I'd spoken my truth. But I'd also stayed inside myself. I hadn't reached all over trying to get there and, to pee and shake something into him. So I, I, I started to like, try to piece back what had gone differently in this conversation than my previous conversations where I felt so exploited. And I realized that uh, it was because I owned my power. There are five steps I took in this conversation, and I'm going to share them with you because I want you to own your power and I want you to have the conversations. I don't want you to run away from them all, but I want you to own your power and uh, come from a space of um, just spaciousness and presence. So the first thing I recommend you do, everybody, but women of color in particular, I want you to check in with your wise self. Check in on how am I feeling in my body? How is my heart today? If you cannot be emotionally and physically present, then I want you to divert, decline, or delay the conversation. You may think this is selfish, But this is the first and most important step, because if you're going to be an instrument of transformation for someone, then you, the instrument, have to be in good working order. If you are hungry, if you are really tired, if you are hurting about something, it may not be the time for you to have a difficult conversation about racism. Decide, do you want to defer this conversation like I did with Pete? Do you want to decline it completely? because you think the person is maybe, uh, just wants to bait you or is inauthentic in some way? Um, Or do you wanna divert the person to some kind of resource before you talk to them? So they come to the conversation with a little more preparation. If after checking in with your wise self and you're like, I'm ready to go. Okay, I'm good. Maybe I don't know everything. Maybe, you know, maybe I still feel a little nervous, but you know, I got my feet on the ground. I got my breath. I'm ready to go. Then I want you to go to step two. Step two in the conversation is to hold space for transformation. And that is, in effect, to create a field, you know, a vibration, an intention that there's going to be transformation here. But the way that we're holding space for it is we're not going to force it on somebody. We are, in fact, going to be the spacious vessel for uh, transformation to occur. We do that by getting our feet planted, getting into our breath, so we're slowing it down. <sighs> and then we're getting into touch with our hearts. And for me, you know, my mentor, Neonu uh defined holding space for transformation as being unconditional love and unconditional acceptance. Because when I get my heart in that space, I'm allowing something bigger than my ego to work through me, to fill me up so that I can be that space for someone else. And when you create a space of transformation, when you hold space and create that kind of bubble, that juiciness, not by your words, but by your actions, feet are on the ground, I'm breathing purposefully purposefully, and I am being unconditional love and unconditional acceptance, that shifts other people's energy. The third step that I did differently than I've done before is I leaned in to listen. And there's a specific way to listen. You know, when you're listening to argue, when you're like, "Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm, 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 (laughs) mm-hmm. Even if you don't interrupt the person, you're like, "Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm, (laughs) mm-hmm, making your little notes about, you know, how you're going to... (laughs) rebut on all that stuff. But in this scaffolding, I want you to lean in with your heart. Because when you listen from the heart, you are allowing a connection to be made. This is why it's so important to come from strength and from a full cup. Because you can't do this if your cup is empty. But if your cup is full, you can lean in and listen. And I have literally found uh, I had an experience where I was talking with another uh, white man. This was someone who was very successful as a consultant. Who literally, in the middle of his talk, he said to me, "Man, I'm just going to shut up." <laughs> literally, he's. I'm just going to shut up. I-, I don't know what I'm talking about. I- can I? Can you please talk to me? Can- I want to listen to you. And I was like, okay. So how you listen actually has an impact. Next step. Would you like to hear what it's like for me? This was a game changer for me, asking people this question. I want to be very honoring of myself, so I don't need to be, like, just saying stuff. If you don't want to listen, then I don't want to say it to you. I don't want to share it with you. So when I say, would you like to hear what it's like for me, I'm giving the person over there an opportunity to cue in and say, oh, do I want to hear what it's like for her? You know, I'm reminding them that they have a choice. This whole conversation is a choice. And when people say yes, they listen differently than when you launch on them. You know, or when you say, "Uh uh uh okay, well, here's what I have to say to (laughs) that. I'm just telling you for real, for real. Would you like to hear what it's like for me? Step five, reflect on yourself. After these conversations difficult conversations about racism, some of them are going to go like, wow, that was so fast, or wow, I feel good, or oh my God, I don't feel good. What happened? I want you to reflect on yourself. Look at what worked. Where did you lose yourself along the way? Where did you feel oppressed or stifled? Um, what was happening for you? The reason why I say this is because um when we reflect on ourselves, especially if we have a mentor, or we have an accountability partner, someone who loves us and who's also going to help us to stand for justice, both things, someone who loves us and someone who's going to help us stand for justice, um, then we can build on what worked and we can forgive ourselves or let go of what's getting in the way. So some of us um, they have an ongoing conversation that gets in the way of, I don't know enough, I don't know enough, I don't know enough, I don't know enough. And so we find we're finding when we in these difficult conversations about racism that we feel frozen because all we hear in the back of our heads, I don't know enough. If you have an accountability partner or a mentor, you can practice detaching from that tape that's running in the back of your head. When you reflect on yourself, you can check in and say, okay, Uh, did I really check in with my wise self before I started this conversation? Did I say yes too soon? You can say to yourself, oh, okay, I see what we did, what happened. I'm going to call so-and-so back and ask them to meet with me again because I want to complete the conversation. So when you reflect on yourself, you give yourself an opportunity to learn, to grow, and to practice self-care. One thing I'll tell you about Pete, so I didn't know exactly how I felt in that conversation because he moved, but he came back a couple of years later when I was writing my book based on my experience of having conversations about racism. It's called Stop Being Afraid. And uh, spoiler alert, that's going to be the free gift for you at the end. Well, anyway, Pete came as I was like editing it. And he goes, he goes, Amanda, I see you're really busy. I don't want to bother you, but I just want you to know you changed this white boy's life.